Are you ready to take your marketing and advertising game to the next level? Join us at Advertising Week Europe at Picture House Central in London this 16th to 18th of May. Gain unparalleled insights and inspiration from the industry's top minds and network with the biggest brands and agencies in a city known for creativity and innovation. With top industry leaders from brands like Primark, Arla Foods, Uber, and Heineken. Inspiring speakers including talent supremo Simon Cowell and fashion designer Harris Reed, as well as cutting-edge insights, this is your chance to stay ahead of the curve. From AI to brand insights to the latest in tech and everything in between, Advertising Week Europe has got you covered. Join us at Advertising Week Europe and discover why it's a must-attend event for anyone in the marketing and advertising industry at any level. Register now at advertisingweek.com slash Europe and use promo code AW25 for 25% off of your passes. On today's podcast, we feature Johnny Grum, founder and CMO at Troublemaker. Johnny and I discuss disruption, always one of my favorite topics, as well as Troublemaker's work with some of the biggest brands in a variety of spaces, among them Lego and Red Bull's fashion brand Alphatari. I hope you enjoy this episode. Johnny, welcome to the show. I'm so happy to have you on today. Thanks, Richard. It's a pleasure. Good to join you. This is a long time coming, so I'm, I'm looking forward to this one. You're CMO and co-founder of Troublemaker. Tell us about Troublemaker and what you do there. Uh, I am indeed. Hi, Richard. So uh, Troublemaker is a disruptive advertising agency powered by social first thinking, which uh, I guess helps us stand out a little bit. It lives up to the name. Um, but I guess social first is something that's been banded around for a while. It's quite commonplace. And we believe it's really important because social and the digital landscape continues to change all the time and how brands and people fundamentally engage changed over that time with it as well so um that's kind of what makes us a little bit different um, and a little bit unique in the marketplace yeah, you know it's interesting depending upon who you talk to social is either having its golden era right now with you know shoppable social and all the different platforms and you know being able to reach gen z very well through platforms like tiktok or you have other people on, on a you know the other side of it that are saying you know social is kind of already had its day and you know we're going to focus on connected television for example or the metaverse or you know whatever shiny object they have in front of them how did you land on social first as your sort of positioning for 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 troublemaker well i think it's really interesting what you've called out because you're you're exactly right there is a, a debate out in the marketplace and what troublemaker isn't is a social agency um we're, we're very much social first in our thinking we are full service uh everything from full-scale tv production through to kind of media planning and buying across markets so why social first thinking, I believe, is more important now than ever is because it's kind of changed the way that brands interact with consumers. And I think the marketplace is very fragmented at the moment. I think what you've touched on there with connected TV, with people looking at social in isolation, I think even the industry's kind of TV body, Thinkbox, has released a, quite a recent report that looked at the total screen time um, and it across YouTube and TikTok. I think it's two thirds of all screen time across kind of AV channels. So when you actually think about social first, we, we're not talking about it as a kind of social agency. We're looking at ways to 
communicate to consumers in a way that I guess the industry hasn't really kept up with. Interesting. And, and you know, if you were to guess or, you know, and make an educated guess, or maybe you even know, why do you think that is? Well, I think there's um, quite a few kind of issues that have, I guess, been underpinning the, I guess, the creative and media agency landscape for a while. And a lot of it comes down to TV versus thinking. So I guess from a ad agency point of view, buying television, buying those kinds of deals, albeit across a very much more fragmented uh, AV landscape at the moment, you know, always brings in probably higher returns, higher revenues, better deals as well, uh, then you'll get across some of those digital and social channels where, which are kind of competing for consumers' attention. Uh, and from a creative agency as well, it makes more money if you're making TV ads. So I think that's where we wanted to kind of stay, uh, take a step back. And in founding Troublemaker, we looked at how can we keep up with that kind of change that consumer, consumers and brands have had over the past. And we've kind of put three principles that underpin everything we do. And it is very much channel agnostic, but it brings that thinking through. And just to touch on them super quickly, the first one is very much focusing on engagement over advertising. So not just shouting messages uh, at consumers, especially in, I guess, screen estate where people are relaxing, they're looking for entertainment, they don't want you just barking brand messages and kind of calls to action at them. So really think about it from a very human level. Uh, and then actually pulling that creative and media planning in from a channel agnostic point of view and move away from just TV first thinking and cut downs that aren't designed for the for the screen uh, well the screen spaces that consumers are actually using. Uh, so you're just kind of using a matching luggage approach when reality, you know, consumers are more and more using those channels more often than not than the TV in their living room. Uh, and the last bit very quickly is just speedy effectiveness. So I think traditional agency approaches of having kind of a, an ad agency on one hand, a creative agency of a very much pointing towards TV first, actually take a step back. And if you pull teams together and have a, a media planning, planning and buying, um, I guess, agent, a uh, strategist, a creative and producer all in one core team at the very start, then you're going to get to a much better result quickly. And you've also got a more accountable team for the client uh, ultimately as well through that process. Yeah, I'm going to go through uh, a couple of these backward, if you don't mind. And speaking of the efficiency side of this, what you, know, what, what you were just speaking of is fascinating to me, both in the sense that you're doing it at Troublemaker, but also equally almost in the sense that this is not the way it's been all along. I'm curious as to why you think that might have been. I mean, is it just it because to me, efficiency and business have always been, you know, a hand in hand. I mean, that that to me just feels like a necessary thing. But it's not something you necessarily have seen traditionally in our industry at all. Why do you think that is? Um, I, I think it probably comes down to the, I guess, agencies just becoming, especially legacy agencies, becoming siloed and ineffective. So a lot of those agencies have been built around delivering against specialist KPIs, you know, really looking after their bottom line, of course, um, and not really understanding how to make a full campaign, you know, through the line that can deliver, uh, deliver against clear business goals. So there's always these kind of competing um, objectives going on in, in that case. And through that becomes a bit of protectionism. So we were able to kind of start that from, from the beginning and actually bring a team in that's there to partner with clients with a small nimble team that 
is very much just set on one objective. They're completely accountable to the overall business and brand objective. So there isn't these competing objectives against media agency, strategy, creative agency. It's very much focused on one point, one kind of North Star, and then you're able to get there much quicker. You've got a much more nimble team that represents multi-disciplines that all come together. And everything through the value chain then can be done a lot quicker than previous, I guess, legacy agency setups where you're handing from strategy to creative to media, back to production. Uh, and then the clients just get confused and have a lot of very different people in the room talking not the same tune. So that's essentially why we set up and kind of, to combat that issue that we know a lot of our clients have had. Yeah, it's fascinating too. When you, when you think of all the different considerations that an agency or a brand or both have to make just working in the market today, everything from, you know, brand safety to, you know, is it good creative? Is it, you know, different, all the targeting, what platform is it on, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. There's so many things to consider. It feels like having a smaller, more agile agency is the way to go because, you know, the world changes so quickly from day to day, from hour to hour, for that matter. And, you know, these days, it, it, it just feels like a fresh perspective on how to get this done in a way that, you know, really just wasn't that way before. Yeah, I totally agree. And I think that's a really nice way of putting it. And I think especially what we've seen over the past kind of three or four years of huge volatility in the market from a media value point of view across um, more traditional media in particular, um, you're seeing, you know, clients that, you know, we work with on a day-to-day -day basis having real challenges through their value chain, through distribution, through, you know, new ways of getting in front of consumers, through, you know, changing media habits uh, and consumption habits. So for us, it's really important to react to those quickly. And I think if you're, you know, a big cumbersome uh, lumbering kind of uh, cross-agency team that is trying to react to that in real time, then you won't have all the right people in the right room at the right time to make those swift decisions. And the client will know that you're on the end of the phone as a collective to help solve those as they go through them themselves. Uh, so I think the, the challenging landscape we've seen over the past couple of years is, has really accelerated the need for this, this type of service and offering. And uh, I think for me, it's, you know, everything from the initial briefing point, having someone from media, creative and strategy together actually cuts down a lot of wastage. It, it puts the right parameters in terms of what you're trying to get to, the, the areas you should be playing in, rather than going down multiple rabbit holes and slowing the process and ultimately giving the client what you want to give them and maybe not what they should have. So, yeah, I, I totally agree. I, th I think it is a, a need more than ever for the clients at the moment. And the other thing I wanted to jump back to is the word engagement. You know, we hear all kinds of different takes on what does engagement mean? And I'm always fascinated to hear everybody's sort of definition of that word. And you had brought up that engagement is really the metric that you want to be using here. In your mind, what does engagement mean? Is it you just, hey, I'm a consumer. I saw this brand's thing. I clicked the little heart and then I moved on to the next thing. Or is it brands interacting with their consumers and potential consumers? Uh, I think it can be um, depending on the, the particular campaign or client need. But what we're absolutely not saying is you need to measure everything in kind of likes, comments and shares. It, it's much more around, you know, the, the premise that not all impressions or impacts are created equally. So when you do get in front of consumers and being mindful of, you know, where they're potentially consuming you or coming into the contact with your brand, 
you need to do it in a in a way that's you know credible and authentic and actually memorable. It is all about saliency, and I think if it's um, if you're not focused on that and you are just barking at people, you're you're just becoming annoying. And especially in the the types of platforms, the channels, the publishers, you know, we've got a very vast. Uh, as fragmented and overused word, especially in the past few minutes, but we've got a very fragmented media landscape where I think before brands, especially with significant budgets, were able to just grow through, you know, share a voice, really controlled reach and frequency. And I think it's becoming more and more challenging as, you know, multiple publishers, even from an AV perspective, pop up, CTV, as you as you mentioned, but also all the digital uh, and social platforms and channels are, are a little bit walled gardens really prevent the ability to truly restrict reach and frequency and optimize to kind of gain that share of voice across all those different platforms. So I think that underpins why this need for engagement, albeit a kind of very broad term, is super important. It, it's about qualified reach. It's not about just how many impacts did we deliver? What was the frequency of it? It's actually, you know, did our consumers actually notice us? Are we top of mind? Are we building that kind of top of mind awareness, which is absolutely key for growth? Um, so yeah, it, it comes back to that. It's uh, it's quite a broad term, but that's that's how I unpack it. For this next question, this will be the last question. I want to go back a little ways in your career. You've done some disruptive strategies for some of the biggest brands around, among them Lego. And I'd be remiss not to bring up Red Bull's AlphaTauri division, which yeah. I, I love to say because I love both. I'm a huge Formula One fan and I'm a team Red Bull guy myself. Max Verstappen's my man. What were your takeaways from working on strategies for brands that are that big that you've taken forward and will continue to use for the foreseeable future? Uh, yeah, I've been lucky to work with some of the, you know, the, the most famous and alluring brands, uh, certainly in the industry. And I think to touch on Red Bull's AlphaTauri, we started working with them at my kind of previous agency. So about four or five years ago, and um, they came to us uh, to essentially, you know, the, the brief was we're going into um, we're, we're creating a fashion brand as Red Bull. We're calling it AlphaTauri. So it's before their kind of F1 sponsorship. And it was at a high price point that it was tech where um, all the materials and coats were, you know, really high tech, as you can imagine, with that kind of Red Bull engineering ethos behind it. And they were struggling to, to kind of find a way to break into the market. They were looking at, okay, so we should be approaching these kind of kind of creatives a lot very much like the people probably listening to this podcast people in advertising people in kind of marketing in creative industries how do we start to engage with these peoples and really get them to buy into us as a brand and they're coming into the market as an unknown who would actually buy a, a red bull coat for you know quite a significant price point unless you're able to unpack the credibility the story behind it and it was only until we actually went into some quite deep audience research that was done, uh, done across um, some of the uh, kind of, I guess, uh, channels they already had. So some of their social channels, some of their digital channels through social listening uh, and through just some kind of um, audience work. We did a little bit away from that as well to similar brands in the industry. We uncovered that actually the pinpoint audience for us was kind of F1 fans. It was people that... <laughs> 
it was, you know, it was remarkable because these are people that, you know, are in all the, the key markets where they want to be. It's where Red Bull will have a significant footprint already with their kind of F1 sponsorship. The fact that they're very much universal, they're known by, you know, many people in this in this world. And also it, generally the people who um, certainly that we looked into a certain subsection of those will have the disposable income to afford this kind of tech wear, especially those living in more metropolitan cities or metropolitan areas so we we kind of just put it all on the table um with philip schwartz uh who's i believe still at um red bull as well who's responsible for kind of the innovation and launching new brands and we just put it all on the table and said we genuinely think rather than going too far down the kind of cool luxury fashion route we should actually lean into you know the red bull heritage more work with red bull ambassadors work with red bull athletes initially seed out products through them almost as an ambassador influencer network and then start to engage f1 fans and towards the end of that process with them they have identified let's take over an f1 team and just badge it up and i think they've gone from success to success since then they've had a lot of collaborations with the alphatari drivers uh, and i know they've just launched a new flagship store in london as well so it seems like they've really lent into that and um it's been an incredible journey to watch them from afar over the past couple of years as i've kind of obviously moved on but they're doing incredibly well now and uh, i still wear uh, a couple of their coats when it's raining across london which is more often than not and what were your takeaways from that that you have kept with you over the years since? I think in that particular example, it was a case of, you know, not just leaning into where the client initially thought was right, which was that kind of we want to be cool. We wanted to be doing almost fashion launches, um, almost from a spring summer point of view, mirroring some of the bigger fashion houses who are you know very innovative in how they um, do some of their runway shows, etc., and we said, look, look at all the data we have based on your site, based on your social followers, based on who's tagging you. Look at these adjacent brands we think are really relevant in this space that are more kind of tech focused and not necessarily cool, but, you know, very high quality materials. And it was using those data sets which were readily available to them to identify this is the area of your communications and, you know, taking a, a channel agnostic approach, lean into your strengths so where can we show up? Where can we use and tap into what you're really good at and what you're, you could be known for? And we've identified the audience through that. So I, I think it is just using some of those insights that you've already got at your fingertips to make quite big, I guess, decisions and directional changes that are for the better. And, you know, a lot of the time, all the signals are there and it's just about collating them, listening to them and being quite brave. It's fascinating to me that you're working with Red Bull. Red Bull is saying, hey, we want to have this fashion brand and we want it to be cool. And there's a lot of work involved. It's not as simple as I'm streamlining it. But ultimately, you came back and said, guys, you're already cool. You just got to work with your own cool and get it out there. I love that. What a great story. I'm, I'm actually very glad I asked that. Um, one last bit here. If you were to give a, a little bit of parting wisdom to your other colleagues in the industry, what would it be in 2023? So in 23, I'd say that the best advice I could give is to take a step back and, and to think, why are we in this industry? We're there to ultimately support clients with their overall brand and marketing objectives. And whether you're coming at it from a creative uh, creative agency, a media agency, uh, you know, an integrated agency, full service like ourselves, it's be a true partner to that client, get the right people in the team, 
um, get the right people around them and have that team that's totally accountable to the marketing objectives and not to your, your own P&Ls, not to your own profitability, not to what you want to push from a, I guess, a legacy point of view. And I think at the moment, we're seeing more and more brands and marketers very much open to talking about that because they've maybe been missold things in the past. Maybe they've just not been with the right agency set up. And when you don't have that right team around you, it doesn't matter if it's cross agency or one agency, you're not going to push in the same direction. You'll end up with lower quality work from a creative point of view and probably not the right plan to get it out there in the world as well. I love that. Well, Johnny, this has been great. If somebody wanted to find out more about Troublemaker and yourself, where would they go? Uh, please go to troublemaker.co.uk um, and also our work is on LinkedIn and Instagram as well at Troublemaker. Well, this has been a blast. Absolutely enjoyed this conversation very, very much. I appreciate you taking the time to speak to me today. Thanks very much, Richard. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this podcast, please consider sharing it with friends and colleagues, subscribing to it, and giving us a positive rating on your podcast platform of choice.